Daisy Jones and the Sixth is a miniseries based off the 2019 bestseller of the same name written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. The show is loosely based on Fleetwood Mac, following the rise and fall of a fictional rock group in the 70s. On this podcast, we like to discuss the most recent installments of a different series every show. The three segments we're looking at today are titled Track 1, Come and Get It, Track 2, I'll Take You There, and Track 3, Someone Saved My Life Tonight. It's March 9th and you're listening to today's episode. What's the best rock and roll band of all time? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> what? After watching the show, isn't it supposed to be Daisy Jones and the Sixth? Uh, they're supposed to be the biggest band of the 70s. Okay, and did you hear any of their music? Yeah, you hear a ton of their music. In fact, that's my first pro. Like, the soundtrack for this show was crazy. And I'm not just talking about, like, Carole King, Jay Ramsey, and Todd Rundgren among... Plenty of other, like, familiar songs you hear, like, the original songs that they made just for Daisy Jones and the Six. I think there's 11 of them, yeah? Yeah, are really good. Like, there was one that they did in the first episode called Suzy Q that I'm probably going to download onto my Spotify. It was Hmm. that good. Okay. That's not what everyone has said, but I'm glad that you liked it. Wait, really? People have had a problem with the music? Because that was the most impressive thing about the show. I felt that the songs fit the era so well. Not that they don't fit the era. It's that this would be considered the best like album of all time or something. I, I don't know exactly, but let's kick off this episode by doing some classic 1970s rock music fact or fiction. Uh, a little bit of a game here. I'm usually awful at these, but okay. Uh, I have four crazy scenarios, and one of them is false. And I want to see if you know which one just offhand, if you've heard of any of these. Have you ever heard of the Edgewater Hotel? No. It's in Seattle. The Beatles kind of popularized it in the 60s because it's a hotel where you can fish out the windows. Okay? Fish out the windows? And so Led Zeppelin, a few years after the Beatles came in, decided to also make a visit. But Led Zeppelin was uh, had a little bit more antics when they'd visit hotels. And um, they left the place in kind of a mess. They threw everything out uh, of their rooms into the um, bay underneath. <laughs> Wait, and why? Then they Just left, they were that crazy? They also left 30 dead mud sharks that they had caught over the night in their room. Wow, okay. Yeah, so they were banned from the hotel, right? Yeah. Okay, but then they snuck in years later after a show where even, like, uh, eluding their agent, they came in under false names to get back into the hotel, and uh, this is one of the factor fictions. Five years later, using fake names, checked in, got in there, and everybody was freaking out whether or not they were going to do anything. The next day, there were no TVs in the room. All five TVs had been chucked into the bay (laughs) okay okay uh the next one is during the worst of his drug addiction bowie lived on a diet of mostly milk and peppers number three is that pink floyd's animals the cover of it has a flying pig outside of a location close to the london heathrow airport Mm -hmm. and the pig actually escaped so, like, it got loose, and it started floating up, and it actually did mess with the pilots um, who were pro- approaching with their planes, and wait, they had wait, to bring it down. You, when you say the, the pig escaped... Yes, yeah, so like... the album cover has a giant pink pig that's floating, yeah? Yeah. And it escaped, and it was in the <laughs> air, and then the pilots almost hit it, yeah. Uh, and then the last one is Janis Joplin once traded her signature scarf, so you know her signature mm-hmm. scarf, okay, 
for a pet monkey, which she then took on tour with her. Hmm. So it's either the Led Zeppelin one about the hotel, Edgewater Hotel, or David Bowie living on a mostly milk and peppers diet, the Pink Floyd album cover, Pig, or Janis Joplin trading her scarf for a pet monkey. I feel like it could be any of these. The first one I'll say because it seemed like there was a lot of backstory that you threw oh, in there. This might be good for me. Okay, go ahead. That That's the one that I was guessing, the first one. Oh, that it's fake? Yeah. No, that's 100% true. Okay, then I was going to guess... There's, the, there's worse stuff that they did, but I just didn't include it. But yeah. I was going to guess the pig one, really. The pig one is also true. So it's, is it the David Bowie one then? No, that's also okay, true. Okay, so, so the, the Janis, Janis Joplin one. Yeah, she never I told traded you I was her signature scarf for a pet monkey <laughs> that she then took on tour. <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. So do you know who made this show? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber, they're best known for their distinctive writing style, which is often characterized with their sharp wit of their characters, clever dialogue, and their focus on romantic relationships. Um, they've done things like 500 Days of Summer before, The Fault in Our Stars, and The Disaster Artist. Okay, all... that makes a lot more sense after seeing all three episodes for this show. Yeah. yeah, 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 but tell me how so. Because it kind of turns into, especially in episode three, it becomes more love story centric, at least like kind of a love triangle is being introduced. Mm -hmm. um, because Daisy Jones and the Six actually don't perform a song together, or at least Billy Dune, who is the main singer of the Six, mm -hmm. they don't, doesn't perform with Daisy Jones until the very end of the third episode. Yeah, they don't even really meet, do they? Yeah. yeah and that's weird because, well, it's not weird because in the books, it also takes a while, but there's a lot of reason for that because they want to set everything. Thing up with the band and how it was created did it feel like they were waiting too long though to bring these characters together no the thing i liked about the first episode was actually how you were able to see the doom brothers that's what they're originally called before they changed their name to the six how they came to be and i thought that the first episode was really well done in fact it was so well done i was thinking to myself that this was going to be the new offer to me i was like this show is going to be great and then episode two and three hit and i felt like a little bit differently about it as someone who was raised in the 70s did you at all think that this band was real like it could be a real Yes. In fact, I had to look it up to make sure it wasn't one. Especially after all the like m music picks that we've gotten in the last couple years, Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody, David Crosby's Remember My Name. That one is obviously more documentary. I had to make sure that Daisy Jones and the Six wasn't an actual band. Because with Rocket Man, they kind of like um, I don't know, glorized or like musicalized everything, and so this it feels like they might have just stuck a filter on like a real story. <laughs> right. Exactly. Also with something like the Pistols, which came out I think what last year. Or I so? thought you. You might compare it to the, that yeah mm -hmm. and, and then, so how did it feel like the, because that was a story about the craziness of the band mixed with the agent and this is more a story of just the band yeah yeah i would say so i mean you do get a, a couple of different people in there that aren't part of the band uh camila for one or camille she is uh billy dunes his wife yeah they get married in the second episode she also becomes pregnant uh when they go on tour uh -huh. and that becomes a big point in the next two episodes then you get rod reyes Timothy Oliphant, who is one of my favorite characters, did not expect to see him in this show. <laughs> He's really low in the casting, as so I think he came in later on, but he must not have a huge part, right? Yeah, he only shows up for a small part in the first episode and the second episode, and then you get Teddy Price. But what does he do? 
he he's the touring manager. Oh, the touring. He manager. actually is able to get them a concert on the strip at right. this place called McNasty's. In the second episode, it's how they they kind of chronicles the rise of fame still during that part of the story. McNasty's. Then, yeah, McNasty's. <laughs> and then Teddy Price. Uh, he, he I'd say he's like a main character for the show too. Sure. He's kind of uh, I guess someone who owns a label or definitely is looking for uh for talent throughout mm-hmm. the two episodes and uh there's this really kind of um it's it's supposed to make you i guess kind of send a chill down your spine because the six that's what they're called when they change their name from the doom brothers even after a run up to teddy price who they recognize in this store and ask him for an audition and you can see that teddy price really doesn't want to but then they do it and they become famous the thing about this show is that even though it's fake, it definitely you said this chronicles what what band exactly? Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Steve Nicks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any any band or any biopic, TV series, movie, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. It does kind of fall into those similar tropes and and, and same type of thing, which is a benefit and a curse. I feel like for a show like this. Well, I was surprised at how recent the bestseller was that it was based on 2019. And Taylor Jenkins Reid, uh, contemporary fiction author, has really come about in the last decade. Um, and people know her from the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Daisy Jones in the sixth, and One True Loves and Malibu Rising. But uh, the book was immediately picked up by Reese Witherspoon's company. I saw, yeah, she's an executive producer for this. which has produced a lot of good things like Gone Girl, The Morning Show, very successful, but also a few clunkers like Lucy in the Sky or Apple's (laughs) Surface, which we did for the podcast. I remember. And so this really could have gone either way. And um, it sounds like so far you like the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to continue watching. It will definitely pass. It's just one of those things where the first episode, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, it was a Dear Edward we did for the podcast that you watched, and you talked about how good like those first three episodes, or at least first episode was, yeah. and then kind of as you watched it a little bit more. Also, I didn't say that for the podcast, but I have like kept up with it because I said I would, and it definitely... It, it did turn a little bit more soap opera-ish, but, like, I still really like the show. And that's kind of what I'm... I, that's what I fear, because it's like the show hasn't gone to the point of soap opera drama yet, but I do see that when it kind of focuses more heavily on the drama and turns away from not as much, like, uh, concerts or music that you see them singing or, or really things about the band, it does turn really slow. I saw one article, only one, but it did kind of call it a slow burn. I'm not sure if I agree with that because I do think that the pacing, there's enough stuff that happens in each episode to keep you invested, but it does make me worried about the rest of the series. How many more episodes is this supposed to be? Eight I think or it's 10, 10 altogether, 10. but New York Times said something similar. It was a positive review. It said the Amazon miniseries about the rise and fall of the 1970s band mixes music, nostalgia, romance, and a heavy dose of soap opera. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're getting into when you jump into this Amazon series. Another thing I wanted to point out, though, was that you know Lindsey Buckingham from um, <laughs> yeah from what from well SNL I know Bill Hader always portrayed him yeah, but I know but he's an actual singer yeah he yeah. was in Fleetwood Mac so yeah. it was between Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks that was the romantic tension that uh, this whole entire like a 1997 concert or something is what Taylor Jenkins Reid used as inspiration to even start this book so the romance connection between Billy you say and right um, and Daisy yeah um, that's the thing that kind of is supposed to guide this series forth does it seem like that's going to like 
like they, they've developed that well. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. The thing is, is that what Billy continually does that does piss me off in the show is he keeps lying to Camilla. Yeah, he's supposed to be sort of a dick. Yeah, what happens is, so they go on tour in the second episode. He, the, uh, she's pregnant. She's continually calling him. And it seems like at first he's calling her too. He's obviously doing drugs. And you can just tell that like through well, the Well, so phone. is everyone. Aren't they? Like even Daisy does drugs. So she's yeah. supposed to be substance abuse. Well, one of my favorite characters is Warren Rojas. He is the drummer for the band and uh-huh. he is definitely uh, supposed to be the funniest out of all of them but he also seems to be the one that just kind of rolls with everything everyone else graham dune who is billy's brother uh he kind of is i guess the moral center and then you have eddie roundtree who just it seems like his main purpose at least for the rest of the show is to continually be mad at billy because billy had to end the tour early but i uh, actually got rid of one character um one of the like siblings of one of the characters to make it five So it's really Daisy Jones in the five as opposed to Daisy Jones in the sixth in the TV show. And they do address that, I think. Yeah, at one point. Of like Michael Jackson in the five. Yeah. I believe they use that as their excuse for not going with it. But the real excuse is they just couldn't make another character or they didn't want to add someone who was just going to be superfluous. The reason that I I, uh, brought up Warren Rojas, though, is because he does say at one point, I think it's either the second or third episode, how everyone was doing shrooms. Everyone was doing all kinds of drugs. And, uh, Do you get a shroom type uh, cutscene montage, anything like that? No, but it did remind me a little bit. They do do uh, different parts of things that reminded me of pistols, where like it will go kind of, I guess, surreal on you. Like for example, Camila, she is using a camera, mm-hmm. and when she's using a camera, you can see like through the footage of the camera, which is very seventies and very like aesthetic driven. Yeah, I remember pistols was also shot like completely though in a mm-hmm. filter. Yeah, it's. it's it's not like this. It, this is filmed. Yeah, but clearly. it was also based off the book by one of the ma- band members. So it does make sense that it, even though this isn't a mocking style of it, it definitely pays homage to a lot of the 70s culture and, and yeah stuff that was going on there. One interesting thing about the guy who played Billy, though, which I think you'd like because it, it deals with Elton John, is that Sam Claflin originally overstated his music experience so they brought in overstated it (laughs) yeah he came in to do an audition and guess who was there elton john and he ran through his act and it was not good but they (laughs) kept him around as like a potential because of just his acting ability and over like i think i was gonna pandemic he like improved i was gonna say the acting for this show is really good sam claflin in particular i think does the best job they did like a fake concert before they started shooting the thing a fake concert yeah like the five or six of them like went on and did like a short show on like i don't even know where it was but like they did that just to prepare and see if they had the same or not i guess they'd already been cast so everybody knew that that was going to be the band but they just wanted to like you know work together it's interesting that the reason why it gives him claflin such credit is because billy doing the second episode he's cheating on his wife like camilla shows up to where they are he sees that inside the rv that they have he's like sleeping with other women he's having to go to rehab and even though billy is doing all of these terrible things you still do care about his character and that's why i had to give props to it but like why why do you care about his character i think it's because you just charisma he's the one that i get i don't want to say he's the glue keeping all the band together but he is the one that like i feel like has the highest hopes for the band especially because in the first episode you see how it all came to be um graham eddie warren and this other guy named chuck who leaves in the first episode to become a dentist because he is able to get into a college they were all in the same age group i think they were like all middle schoolers and then billy was really i think either in high school or just about 
to be out of high school. And then uh, Graham is kind of able to co- coerce him into the band. Mm-hmm. And really, it's Billy that is able to bring the band kind of to these new heights. He's the singer. He's the main, I guess, the main character of the show. Well, you'd think that Daisy would be, right? You think so, but that's actually not the case. Daisy does have, like, her own like, uh, small parts in it. You learn about her backstory in the first episode. She had kind of a rough home life. She keeps a lot of her uh, details for her songs in her book. Perhaps the biggest thing that happens to her in the first episode, and it's addressed in the third episode, is she's dating someone, and she has come up with a song, and that the boyfriend steals her song, and then it becomes the number one song played on the radio. Yeah, so a lot of that was because of like the Lindsey Buckingham thing that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. The person that um, Sam Claflin said he based his uh, performance persona off of was Bruce Springsteen. Really? Yeah. Of all people? I I guess I could see it. There's uh, just a lot of names that they were throwing out there from the 70s, so I don't know how much to actually put weight on that, but it just was interesting. They have a huge cast. Not here. only are there a lot of characters, a lot of them are well-developed, and they're well-developed really fast, too. Well, one thing that I like is that it keeps on like kind of paying attention to the details. Uh, for example, Teddy Price. Uh, they don't ever actually show him in the front forward flashes, which I think are supposed to be like take some place. So, so with the forward flashes, though, do they look like it's old man makeup? Like, no, no, no. They actually do a like good job. How do you do that with people who are in their 30s? They do a good job actually making it seem... I mean, it's obviously the same actors and everything, uh-huh. but like actually making it seem like it's 20 years later. It's, they're lucky to make it 20 years later, though, because in the book, it's 33 years later. They wouldn't have, they have been, they able, to been able to pull someone in their 60s as well. But the reason I was bringing it up is because Teddy Price, you never actually see there. You only see a 1982 interview with him on a late night show called The Merv Griffin Show. So <laughs> yeah. obviously, Teddy Price, much like in these other biopics whenever i'm assuming he's dead or is is dead at the time that these uh these front forward interviews are being are being uh, filmed or whatever Hmm. he's not actually showing up so that's something i liked as well because that's something you see all the time whenever they aren't able to actually it's like foreshadowing without exactly saying even though everybody sort of knows exactly give me the three episode like recap Okay, so the first episode, it's the Doom Brothers and their rise to moderate success. They are kind of a band out of Pittsburgh, and uh, they lose people along the way. Like I was saying, Chuck, he ends up deciding to go off to college, even even though he was a bass guitarist, so then Eddie Roundtree has to end up taking over for him. And at the end of the episode, they decide to leave town, uh, leave their town, Pittsburgh, and move to California off of Rod Reyes's, again, Timothy Oliphant's uh, advice, because Timothy Oliphant, Rod Reyes was basically like, this is the only way to do so. California is have is going to have the most opportunity for you. Reminded me a lot of Reservation Dogs at the end of season one, where I think like at least one of the main characters left Oklahoma mm-hmm. to go to California. It, it just reminds me of anything where they're like, I got to get to Hollywood, you know? I got to make it big. And that <laughs> and getting in, out of this little town. Yeah. And in the first episode, that's also where Daisy Jones had her boyfriend steal her song and it becoming like a massive success. In episode two, thanks to the touring manager again rod reyes who they meet at the beginning of the episode he's able to get them that play that uh, concert on the strip and because of that even though there are like some troubles that kind of arise uh the doom brothers are still on their way to success they even got a new key uh keyboard person named karen mm-hmm. uh to kind of even out and then uh, i karen- think her nickname in the sh- in the uh, book was Karen Karen but they might not have kept that I don't think they did because I think when I was going through the x-ray that they have on Amazon Prime I think it was a different I don't think it was Karen Karen I think it was a different last name well it's not a real last name and then also with Eddie you said his last name's Roundtree I think his name in the book is Eddie Loving which is interesting they just 
flipped out some names, got rid of some characters, but overall kept the main story. Keep going. In the second episode, yeah, Teddy Price ends up uh, deciding to listen to the Six, and the Six, as he puts, like, ends up, like, blowing his socks off or whatever. They're able to get signed a label, and that's when the whole entire storyline with Billy and Camilla hits with the whole entire pregnancy, her showing up to where they are, him cheating on her. And at the end of the episode, she has the baby, but Billy decides that he needs to get help. And thanks to Teddy Price, Teddy Price drives him to rehab. Third episode, uh, after Billy goes to rehab, he really um, is trying to kind of patch things up with Camilla. And how is rehab, rehab, rehab? Uh, how is rehab represented there? You actually don't see him ever in rehab. Gotcha. It's just one of those things where you see him like kind of be driven there and then be but driven is back. Is he like? Is, is it, are his eyes solo or uh, like... his appearance is a lot different? Yeah, I would when say. he leaves, is he a lot happier? No, <laughs> when, when he, he leaves, he's a lot sadder. Yeah, I mean, like it really. I guess with Billy, it's kind of a tragic story what happens to him because you can tell that his wife still isn't really over what he ended up doing and really wants him to just hold his child and he does so later on but he makes a song also called honeycomb um but the label decides not to go for it especially because the tour that they ended up canceling midway through because of billy having to go to rehab and, and everything that was happening uh lost them a ton of money and then teddy decides on his own dime this is revealed later on in the episode to get Daisy and Daisy and Billy decide to then sing Honeycomb. Initially, Billy doesn't like it because he feels like the lyrics are being changed and he's like, why, if the label is going for it, would they not be okay with it? And that's when Teddy is like, the label didn't go for it. I'm paying for this on my own dime, but you really do have to change the song if you want any chance of success or getting back into the music industry. They record it and then that's when Billy again lies to Camille. After he, uh, after he is calling her, he's basically like, yeah, it was a wash. We weren't able to record it, even though they did. I think that's because he doesn't want her to know about Daisy. And again, that's when they first kind of meet in the third episode. Okay. And so out of the three, which is your favorite? The first episode. The first episode seemed like, uh, I guess because it was, it was so small in comparison to the other two episodes, you know, they weren't going on tour. They weren't being crazy, but you were seeing them like play at these small venues. It was shot like like a movie or did remind me of the offer kind of tone wise as well and i was really enjoying it and i really thought to myself this was going to be the next best like show okay so you talk a lot about your pros uh, any main cons yeah so the one thing is is that i don't understand and i know that we just got daisy and the six kind of together um working as a band but I don't understand why the fall for the site for the characters had to happen so early on into the show, especially. The I think it's a lot of episode. tiny falls, but then like jump ups, like I one mean, step Billy's, back, two steps forward. Billy's <laughs> falls were huge. I mean, not only the fact <laughs> okay. that he got like his uh, his wife pregnant. That's part of the reason they get married is because he gets pregnant, by the way. But also because he has to like go to rehab and all this stuff. I, I was a little thrown off by that. Like I was saying, I'm. Well, a if little... you look at like uh, Led Zeppelin, the Doobie Brothers, like there's a lot of bands that the main or the like even the drummer and like the who and stuff where people die or like tragedies happen or people leave you know and the band continues to exist afterwards so maybe they were just trying to show 
how this band had gone through its own strife and troubles. I don't the, know. The episodes are also really long too, 15 minutes. 50 minutes. And for, I think, all three of them. Are you going to continue to watch it? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Um, and, and I think that's mostly because the first and second episode, and yes, even the second episode, are good enough where I think that, like, I would give the first episode probably a nine, the second episode probably a seven and a half, even though it deals a little less with All the Altogether, you give the series a... The third episode, I would give a six, and it's for that reason that I would give the show as a whole a seven and a half out of 7.5 yeah so it does like i said pass and i am interested to see where the rest of the show goes i'm glad to know that it's 10 episodes as opposed to eight that was a fear that i kind of had but i think the show could it could just do if it really did pay more attention to to the music and the band um because it is also falling into a problem which i didn't think it was going to have in the first episode where uh one of my biggest problems with bohemian rhapsody was aside from freddie mercury you don't get a lot of other story with the band brian may and all those other people they don't really touch upon and the same thing is happening here we're focusing so much on billy i want to know even if it is just a small storyline what's happening with graham eddie warren because they're all good characters and i feel like they could have compelling storylines if the show gives them a chance you probably will you also hear about simone right like she's supposed to have quite yes. a backstory so simone uh she is someone who uh knows daisy jones they're even living together at some point and so they're roommates she, she has her first taste of success in the third episode but she gets uh sexually kind of assaulted um, oh wow for example one of the producers like uh, grabs her by the waist and like sits her down on his lap when as they're listening to songs and it's like touching her thigh and everything okay that, that's something that happens in the third episode also i should mention there was a very funny part of the third episode where daisy jones meets up with the boyfriend who stole her song at a party mm-hmm. and then throws him into a pool it was nice seeing justice for that finally overall the show has these these moments that I, and I think over it's going to work i just wish it was as good as it was it has an 8.1 on imdb a 74 percent on Rotten tomatoes which falls probably pretty in line with your 7.5 that you're giving it you said your favorite character was... Warren. That's and then right. second is Rod. Anything else you want to say about the series? No, I think I basically covered everything. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.